You are Locked On Patriots, your daily New England Patriots podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everybody. Welcome into your latest Locked On NFL crossover special for, I think, arguably the best game here for this weekend slate. I am Evan Sidery, the host of Locked On Colts, joined by Mike DeBate, the host of Locked On Patriots. We are here today on a Wednesday afternoon as we're recording this to go over, I think, one of the best games in the entire month of December, Mike. Colts versus Patriots. The rivalry is back on, so to say. A huge game for both sides here in Indianapolis on Saturday night at Lucas Oil Stadium. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, Evan. It's always an honor to join you here on the microphone for these crossovers. And the Colts games are always ones that I know Patriots fans get up for. I know the Patriots players get up for it. I know it's the same on the side of the Indianapolis Colts. That rivalry is still there. A lot of respect between these two teams. I think two of the hottest teams in football right now. They're peaking at the right time, both playing their best football. This one on Saturday night has the makings of a seasonal classic. I, for one, can't wait just watch this game and to cover this game and to be able to absorb everything that we're going to see on Saturday. Absolutely. We're going to start off the show today. Or I'm going to ask you some Patriots questions and you'll ask you some Colts questions. Then we'll end the show today talking through our keys to the game predictions. So let's start off here, Mike, about the Patriots. And if I would have told you about eight or so months ago when we knew that Tom Brady was leaving New England and the Patriots would be the number one seed heading into, into around Christmas time, what would you have told me back then if Tom Brady left and the Patriots in the position they're in right now? I probably would have told you that that was wishful thinking on anybody's part, especially Patriots fans, to think that one year removed from the departure of Tom Brady and everything that went on last season with all of the opt-outs and all of the difficulty in terms of finding their offensive rhythm and Cam Newton going on COVID reserve for a period of time, there was so much... Uh, upheaval in New England, and especially after watching Tom celebrate a Super Bowl title with the Bucks last year, Patriots fans thought they were in for lean times for many years to come, but they spent uncharacteristically high in the offseason, really went after a lot of free agents, not necessarily the biggest names out there on the market, although they did sign big-name free agents to really lucrative deals, but the Patriots went after the right free agents. They targeted areas that really were deficient in 2020, and they made the best of their cap space and really put it to good use, signing guys like Matthew Judon to come in and really revolutionize the linebacking core, signing a tight end like Hunter Henry, who really is that prototypical wide tight end that can give you options in the middle part of the field, be a threat in the red zone, and also drop back and be a very capable blocker. Sean Smith has struggled a little bit this year early on, had a shoulder injury, but he's starting to come on as of late and starting to round into form. So the Patriots definitely used free agency to their advantage. And then, of course, they used the draft to their advantage. And that was really, I think, the biggest um, uh, hurdle in putting them over the top. Drafting Mac Jones at number 15 has definitely paid dividends for them. Christian Barmore in the second round has really helped to shore up the run defense and the pass defense and that uh, uh, front seven. And then you look at someone like Ramondre Stevenson, who came in as a third rounder and a running back, he's helped to be able to satisfy the running game. So the Patriots are winning with a familiar formula. It's solid complimentary football on both sides of the ball. 
and then of course exemplary coaching from Bill Belichick. So it happened a lot quicker than a lot of people thought it was going to, but in New England, they'll take it. If it's a one-year absence from the playoffs, uh, that's not too bad for a rebuild. Let's talk about how aggressive the Patriots were this offseason, Mike. You go out and spend, I believe, $175 million in guaranteed money in free agency, a big curveball from what we've seen from the Patriots in the past. Did that throw you off guard a little bit, and how do you think it's paid off? Because, I mean, certainly look at the AFC Stings right now. It definitely is paying its dividends already. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, without any question. Look, especially in the first couple of days, uh, the initial uh, – um, legal tampering period that uh, is put together now in the league, you look at what they did and how many names were coming out and how many signings they were having. Uh, I was a busy guy that day for the Locked On Network doing a lot of different videos for, uh, you know, the, the Locked On Podcast Network announcing new deals and terms and details. Um, I was surprised by the aggression that the Patriots showed. It's definitely atypical for a Bill Belichick coach team and a Bill Belichick run team as the GM. He's usually very frugal, very prudent. Uh, he'll lie back. He'll take some of the outliers. He'll look for guys that are the right fit for his system. Not necessarily the biggest names out there, but guys that can come in and fit in and play well. Um, we've seen him do it throughout his 20-year tenure in New England. But this year, the Patriots had cap space available. They had the ability to go out and target the players that they knew could come in and make an immediate impact. For everyone that wants to say, oh, Belichick's cheaper, he doesn't want to pay, I definitely point you to the $175 million that you just mentioned in terms of giving you know contracts out. Really, it broke a team record in terms of spending over $160 million in guaranteed money. Very uncharacteristic, very unpatriot-like. But what was patriot-like about it is the fact that these guys were the right players at the right time and what they needed. So uh, Belichick just he pressed the right buttons this year, and he did it in a way that not a lot of people saw coming. But you really can't argue with the results so far. Um, there really haven't been a whole lot of free agent busts for the New England Patriots. Some have performed better than others, but really they're getting contributions from almost every one of the 11 free agents that they signed to either return to the Patriots, guys like Kyle Van Noy and Ted Garris, or some of the newcomers that I mentioned before, like a Hunter Henry or a Matt Judon. Let's go to Mac Jones now, Mike, because the way he's played so far this year has been nothing short of incredible for the Patriots, helping to get back on top. He didn't do much against Buffalo, but when the running game was rolling like it was in those conditions, you can't blame Bill Belichick for only having him throw for 19 yards in that game. But total so far this season, almost 3,000 yards, two-to-one touchdown interception ratio, 16 touchdowns, eight interceptions, almost a 100 QB rating at 97.0. What's been your assessments of Mac Jones so far this year in year one? And I have to imagine year two and beyond, the playbook's going to expand even more for him, and it's going to be a smooth ship sailing, so to say, uh, for the Mac Jones era, even after this season. Absolutely. I mean, Evan, the Patriots clearly made the right call in selecting Mac with the 15th overall pick in the 2021 NFL draft for all the offseason discussion that went on. And there was a lot of it, especially up here in New England, that the Patriots wanted to move away from their traditional passing game, that they really wanted to try to incorporate more runs, more zone reads, more RPO into what they do into their repertoire, especially knowing that they had re-signed Cam Newton to come back and what we thought was going to be the starting position for the Patriots in 2021, the aerial attack really remained the same. It remained that timing-based system predicated on vertical routes and the completions from the quick, accurate throws where the receiver can get it. What Mac has done so well 
And really, I think what he did was build on exactly what he did in Alabama. He ran a very similar type of system uh, under Nick Saban there. And now what he's done is he's taken it to that next level. Mac Jones is not only putting the ball where the receiver can get it, He's putting the ball where the receiver can get it and create plays by leading his receivers under the defense, releasing the ball quickly, delivering it accurately. And that has really provided the playmakers that the Patriots have on offense, whether it be the wide receivers like Jacoby Myers or someone like uh, Nelson Aguilar or Kendrick Bourne, a newcomer in the system who's really done a tremendous job for the Pats this year, or their tight end sets when they run with John Smith out of the backfield or they try to get Hunter Henry available in the red zone. He provides them with the space they need to catch and run with the football. And it really, it all starts from just showing poise, I think, beyond his years. Mac has really looked very comfortable in the pocket. When he's had to maneuver out of the pocket, he's also looked like he has some comfort level there. He's a little more athletic than people give him credit for. Uh, I'm not saying he's going to win any any type of quarterback athletic competitions anytime soon, but he's got a little more athleticism than people will give him credit for. There are times when the decision-making is very rookie-like, and there will be times where we'll continue to see that. But overall, uh, the quarterback position in New England is definitely in the right hands, uh, you know, and it will be for many years to come as long as they have Mac Jones calling signals in New England. A guy who's helped help Mac Jones get to this point this year and a guy who I think is not going to have a big welcome on Saturday night is Josh McDaniels, the Patriots offensive coordinator. <laughs> we know the history there, him backing out of the Colts job last minute. But do you feel like, Mike, is there ever going to be another opportunity here soon where Josh McDaniels goes out and tries to get another head coaching job here soon? Because he's proving it again this year with the rookie quarterback and Mac Jones. I think he is ready to, again to be a head coach or – is, is at this point, do you think from your perspective, he's going to wait out with Bill Belichick and be the, the next guy up, so to say, in New England, whenever that happens? You know, Evan, it's going to sound like a cop-out for this, but I think that could go either way. Uh, look, bottom line with, with McDaniels in terms of what happened with Indianapolis, I think a lot of teams, and they still may be, uh, and for good reason. You know, I can understand where Indianapolis fans are coming from on that. You're gun-shy when it comes to pulling the trigger and hiring someone like that. There have been circumstances before where McDaniels has been interested in a job and then all of a sudden pulled back out or said he's not interested. Um, obviously, Indianapolis being the most high profile and really the deepest into that situation where he was essentially de facto named the head coach and then all of a sudden you find out he's going to come back and he's going to be the offensive coordinator in New England um, that could limit his uh, options but for all intents and purposes this is a business where you can never really say never so I do think there may be suitors out there for his services especially when they look at this year what he's been able to do with Mac Jones in such a short period of time he's proving that he is a very very good offensive minded coach and has the capability of working with players and getting the most out of them when it comes to whether or not he's going to wait it out with Bill Belichick here um, there's so many different theories and so many different um, options on the table right now in terms of what the Patriots may do when Bill decides that his coaching days have you know, run their course and he's ready to move on into retirement. Will it be Steve Belichick that takes that uh, you know, mantra from his father and will he become a head coach? We've heard uh, you know, several players, including uh, Hall of Famer Ty Law the other day, saying that he believes that he may be in line uh, for a, uh, a coaching uh, you know, position very soon, uh, you know, meaning Steve Belichick, the, uh, the, the younger uh, son of Bill Belichick, and also Gerard Mayo, who's on the, uh, the coaching staff right now as well, may be in line uh, for a coaching spot. So it's not necessarily a slam dunk that the keys to the kingdom will be handed over to Josh. 
you always have to strike when the iron is hot in the NFL. And if Josh has the right opportunity with the right, with the right quarterback and the right system, it wouldn't surprise me to see him make the move if he feels that it's in his best interest. Right now, his best interest has been remaining in New England. I don't see that changing in the immediate future, but a lot can change between now and the start of next season if a particular job were to open up that McDaniels would find uh, appealing and if the team finds him appealing as well. Uh, Don't forget, what happened in Indianapolis does definitely weigh on the minds of teams that are going to hire uh, new head coaches. And uh, (laughs) for all intents and purposes, a lot of these teams out there have long memories because of it. Last question I had for you in the first segment, Mike, about this Patriots team entering into Saturday's game as the number one seed in the AFC. How do you feel they stack up this year in the AFC? It feels so wide open now where if I would have told you a month ago, Mike, the Colts would be in this and maybe potentially a top three or four team in the AFC, I would have said you're crazy myself. But this Patriots team right now is rolling on all cylinders. It's a huge game on Saturday, but even outside of Saturday's game, Mike, do you feel like the Patriots getting home field advantage if they do get that opportunity? How important is that for this team? Because if they do get home field advantage, back during the Brady days almost, it feels like to me, where if they get home field advantage, you have two, two games in Foxborough to get to the Super Bowl. It feels like this team's going to be really hard to stop with their offense and their defense and Bill Belichick himself. What's your thoughts on the New England this year and their, how they stack up in the AFC? Uh, I think right now they stack up in the AFC with the elite teams that are at the top of the conference. And I put Indianapolis in that list as well. I know the record of seven and six right now doesn't place them in the echelon of the Patriots or the Kansas City Chiefs or the Tennessee Titans, who are all nine and four. But I think Indy has played phenomenal football, especially in the last few weeks. I think they're solid at all three levels uh, on defense. They have a much more versatile offense than people give them credit for. Uh, They're very well coached by Frank Reich. So I look at the Patriots in that vein and that type of, um, you know, mold with the Colts, with the Chiefs, obviously, who really are starting to reemerge as a dual threat team. You see that defense has really shored things up. They look to be formidable. Of course, you can never discount an offense led by Patrick Mahomes and some of the weapons he has at his disposal. If Tennessee can get uh, Derrick Henry back for the stretch run, that all of a sudden opens things up for them, and they uh, can become uh, a formidable unit. We've seen uh, what that defense can do. If those offensive pieces start to come back, they're going to be a tough team. So those right now, I think, are the four teams. I'd, I'd put New England right in that mix, but I haven't seen a team that has really emerged as that dominant team that really is going to be the gauntlet throw uh, for other teams and the uh, the standard bearer for everyone to get through. In terms of the first round bye, I think it's really something that every team would love to have. You always want that week off, and because there's only one, it's going to be so coveted. The Patriots are built a little bit differently this year. They actually, believe it or not, had struggled more at home uh, than they did on the road uh, up until recently. So this could be a team that might be able to be built equally on the road or in Foxborough, but there's still that playoff mystique that uh, exists through Gillette Stadium. So if the Patriots were to get it, yeah, I think that puts them in the driver's seat for being the toughest team to beat. But I still don't think it means an automatic uh, you know, push button to the Super Bowl or through the playoffs. Uh, there are some very good teams in the AFC right now. And really, I think the conference is wide open. Great stuff there, Mike, as always, going over the New England Patriots there. We'll be back in just a second here after a quick word from our sponsors. As Mike's going to ask me some questions about one of the host teams in the NFL as well in the Indianapolis Colts. Locked on listeners, I know so many of you out there are fantasy fans. And did you win in fantasy last night? 
Well, I sure hope so, because no one plays daily fantasy sports to lose. Winning feels so much better, am I right? Traditional fantasy sports, however, are a long-term losing proposition, because you never know who or what you're going to be up against. Well, that's until now. Stat Hero is the first of its kind daily fantasy sports platform where it's you versus the house in head to head fantasy matchups, winner take all. And here's the crazy part Stat Hero shows you their lineups before you play and you handpick the team you want to face one on one. This never before seen innovation of a fantasy sports and sports betting hybrid has Stat Hero players clocking odds that are over four times better. And why is that, you ask? Because you don't have to compete against thousands of experts or unknowns. Stat Hero puts you in control of your fate. Imagine that. With Stat Hero, you're in control of the stakes. You decide how much you're going to play for, and Stat Hero has no choice but to take it because they're daring you to beat them. Stat Hero head to head is exactly what daily fantasy should be one on one. So sign up for free right now at stathero.com slash locked on and use the promo code locked on for a 100% deposit match. That's stathero.com slash locked on. Use the promo code locked on for a 100% match. Stathero.com slash locked on. Promo code locked on. Terms and conditions apply. Patriots fans and Colts fans, thank you so much for taking the time out and making the Locked On Podcasts on the NFL channel your first listen each and every day. Don't forget, Locked On Podcasts are free and available on all platforms. Evan Sittery, host of Locked On Colts, joins me today. I am Mike DeBate, host of the Locked On Patriots podcast. And Saturday night's all right for fighting between these two teams as they prepare to do battle on Saturday, December 18th, 8.20 p.m. kickoff, Lucas Oil Stadium in Indianapolis, Indiana. And Evan, we shared a lot about the Patriots in the first segment. So now it's time to turn things over and speak for the shoe. And the Indianapolis Colts right Right now at seven and six are a team that I believe is right in the mix of the elite teams in the AFC. And I touched upon this a little bit earlier in the segments uh, when I mentioned how solid they're playing on all three levels on defense, everything that they're doing right on offense. And really, I think running a very good system, a solid system under Carson Wentz as their quarterback. We'll start with uh, Carson coming on board. Obviously, the Colts have been in a little bit of a transition, maybe a little bit of a tailspin. And I don't know if I'm speaking out of term, but I'll use that uh, word um, following the sudden retirement of Andrew Luck a couple of years ago. But with Carson Wentz at the helm, uh, he's looked very comfortable in this system. Obviously, the synergy he has with Frank Reich is definitely giving him an option to be able to uh, uh, to run this offense well. How much has his presence helped Indianapolis's offense um, really emerge as a, a very versatile and a, almost a dual threat type of, uh, um, of offense in the AFC. Yeah, it's really helped diversify their offensive portfolio, so to say, Mike. Just looking at the way that this Colts team has looked ever since their 0-3 start and Carson Wentz really had no rhythm the first month of the season. He was hurt all throughout training camp. He was also battling some other issues as far as learning the playbook on the fly. But after that point, from week four on, this Colts team has only lost twice or three times, excuse me, over that span of the Bucks and as well the Titans and the Ravens. And in those three games, Mike, they've had leads of 10-plus points in every single game. So this team is firing on all cylinders, and Carson Wentz has a lot to do with that. I mean, over that span of games outside of week three, he has 19 touchdowns and four interceptions, just running the offense at a very effective level. It's almost like Phillip Rivers last year 
where he was a very good game manager, but Carson Wentz and his arm strength, his mobility, gives the Colts a look they haven't seen, I think, since Andrew Luck in 2018, the last year he was their quarterback. Because Jacoby Brissett, what we knew was all a placeholder there. Phillip Rivers was a great game manager, but he couldn't push the ball down the field at all. But now we're seeing the emergence of Michael Pittman thanks to Carson Wentz and his arm strength. We're seeing the emergence of Jonathan Taylor thanks to the, the danger of the play action that Wentz provides with his arm strength as well. Frank Reich has even mentioned on the record that this is the first time that playbook's been fully open since 2018. So it just goes to show you how much trust that Frank Reich and this Colts team has in Carson Wentz. If I would have told you at the beginning of the season, Mike, that he'd be top 10 in QBR and top 10 in touchdown passes and interceptions at this point of the season, I only have five picks as well. I would have thought it would be a steal. I mean, getting him for a third and a first-round pick in next year's draft, which officially conveys here on Saturday for those wondering, he's, after he gets to the first quarter, I believe that is officially the 75% snap threshold for the season. Now go to Philadelphia for that first-round pick. But Carson Wentz, he's been everything the Colts have hoped for, even more than I thought. He's been great. I think at this point, if he can get more comfortable next year, if the Colts can add, I think, another dangerous weapon on the outside of wide receiver, they're supposed to have more than $60 million in cash space next offseason. I think this Colts seems to be very dangerous. This is only year one for Carson Wentz, but year one has gone great. And I think he's been the best quarterback the Colts have had since Andrew Luck in 18. Yeah, absolutely. And Wentz definitely has settled into his role. And it's something that you probably knew was going to eventually come. Wentz is a very talented quarterback, had some issues, obviously, in Philadelphia. There was, you know, uncertainty surrounding his playing status for a good long time, but really finding a rhythm and finding a home and finding a very uh, talented offense in terms of being able to accentuate his talents has really been all the difference. And he's definitely doing great things in Indianapolis. You can't mention Indianapolis's offense without mentioning the great Jonathan Taylor. Uh, really, I think right now, I'd probably say the front runner for uh, AFC MVP. And I think that when you look at what he's done, not only leading the NFL in rushing with 1,348 yards, averaging 5.6 yards per carry, despite being the focal point of every opponent's defensive game plan, I don't think can be uh, lauded enough. Uh, it's one thing to be able to do it, but it's one thing to know and be able to do it when everyone else knows that's going to be your offensive game plan for him to still be able to do it when every team is gunning for him and trying to stop him. It says something about Jonathan Taylor and even Bill Belichick this week has been effusive in his praise for Taylor uh, and his abilities. I would say walk us through a little bit what Jonathan Taylor means to this team, meaning the Indianapolis Colts, but it's probably going to be redundant. Um, what is the one thing about him that makes him such an electric player uh, and really such a feared player throughout the league, Evan? Yeah, it really is. I mean, just watching John Taylor, I've seen some special running backs in, in Indianapolis like Edger and James growing up watching him, but it just feels like to me that Jonathan Taylor is just the, one of the most unique running backs that I've seen as far as this unique blend of speed and power simultaneously. He can take it 85 yards without being touched. We see all against the Jets a month or so ago. But he also, almost every carry, he's not going down immediately. It takes two or three guys. He can drag them about two or three yards down the field. It's, a, it's just incredible watching him consistently just pushing the pile, getting yards after contact. One of those rare guys who has the ability of doing both as far as being a home run hitter and a bruiser. And he's also learning as far as a pass catcher goes. He already has, he's on pace for 50 receptions this year. Uh, he's really a three down back at this point, Mike. And I think he is the NFL offense player of the year looking on to net, 
at the end of the season. And over the last 10 games, John Taylor has scored a touchdown. He's on pace for 24 touchdowns this year and over 2,200 scrimmage yards, the best season for a running back since Damian Tomlinson in 2006 when he scored 31 touchdowns. It just He's only 22 years old, too. That's the crazy part about it. He's just now beginning to hit his prime years in the NFL. And he's, he's a guy to me where I think he might be taking that crown away here very soon if he hasn't already for the best running back in the NFL. And it's just scary to think behind him when this Colts offensive line led by Quentin Nelson, they have the formula to go out there. And if they do make the playoffs, they are a very dangerous team in inclement conditions in, in January of football, because Jonathan Taylor is the engine. He's a straw that stirs the drink. And he's one of the most incredible running backs I've ever seen. He can really just take the top off the defense. It, he's so special to watch. I mean, I, I was excited when they drafted him two years ago, but what he's doing already in year two it truly is incredible to watch. Absolutely. It really is incredible to watch. And a couple of weeks ago, Patriots fans were uh, Indianapolis Colts fans, if only for a night, uh, watching him run all over the Buffalo Bills. A lot of smiles in the New England region watching Jonathan Taylor do that. I have a funny feeling that they're not going to be smiling that much watching Jonathan Taylor do that potentially to New England. Of course, New England's defense may have something to say about that, but uh, all kidding aside, uh, it really is uh, a joy to, uh, to watch him run. And, and Taylor, again, I think right now is the front runner for MVP based on uh, that performance and that dual threat capability, not just as a rusher, but also being so adept at catching the ball out of the backfield. It gives Indianapolis's offense such a new dimension uh, and such a great dimension to work with that it really does uh, make them a, a formidable and very scary team to defend. And speaking of defending um, at this point, what, We've talked a lot about Indianapolis's um, abilities and their uh, prowess on offense, but on defense, this team, again, is solid on all three levels without any question. Um, you want to talk about, uh, you know, being able to stop the pass. We'll talk about that first because I think Indianapolis's defense is going to be single-minded in purpose, and I think that'll be a good way to wrap up our conversation today. But in terms of being able to shut down Mac Jones, um, the Colts ranked 12th in the league, allowing an average of 230.2 yards per game through the air. They have 15 interceptions on the season. While the front seven doesn't really have one dominant performer, the Colts have 29 sacks. Obviously, DeForest Buckner leading the way with five and a half, and the pressure has led to a lot of turnovers. This is a defense that loves to feed off of turnovers. When the Colts are going to try to make the Patriots one-dimensional, like we've said, <laughs> and they want to try to take away the run, which we'll discuss in a minute. How will that how, – how do you believe this team will try to attack a rookie quarterback like Mac Jones, show him confusing looks, and keep him uncomfortable to keep the Patriots' offense off balance? Yeah, it's a really good conversation point because this Colts defense can be very multiple, but they can also still be a little inconsistent. I know against some really good quarterbacks this year, they have struggled. Going back to Lamar Jackson on Monday Night Football, he just threw the ball over the place against this team. They try to sell out for the run. So maybe Mac Jones has one of those games, but I do think we're going to see a lot of pressure data from defense coordinator Matt Eberflus. Quiddy Pay, their rookie first-round pick, is really coming on off the edge. I think he has four, four sacks over the last month or so for the Colts on top of that, DeForest Buckner is an all pro defensive tackle. So those two guys are really starting to hammer home and getting a lot of chemistry together. We all know about Darius Leonard as well. He is one of the best linebackers in the NFL. He's forced, I believe 12 turnovers by himself this year. If you include forced fumbles, fumble recoveries, interceptions, all that mixed together. He's just, he's in a defensive player of the year conversation. I would say just what all he does, he's a game changer for this Colts team. And, and Mike, you know, this guy very well, but Kenny Moore, the former new England mm -hmm. Patriot who was cut, 
He's done everything for this Colts team. He looks, he's like the Rondé Barber of this Tampa 2 defense for the Indianapolis Colts. He can blitz. You can disguise him in coverage. He can play inside and outside. He's a sound, strong tackler. He's on pace for over 100 tackles this year and five interceptions. He's been such a gem of a find by the Colts, and he's on pace to help get some Pro Bowl love or at least get some All-Pro love as a nickel cornerback. I know it's rare in the NFL nowadays, but Kenny Moore has definitely been one of the best guys at position so far this year, and he has been the last couple of years. So it's really the spine of this defense is DeForest Buckner, Darius Leonard, and Kenny Moore. Those three guys set the tone defensively. But I think in this matchup, I'm very curious to see what New England does because, like we mentioned throughout today's show, the Colts are going to sell it against his run for New England. They're going to try to stop Ramondre Stevenson in this Patriots ground attack. Julian Blackman, though, the Colts' best safety, has been out for the last couple months with a torn Achilles. I do wonder, Mike, if Mac Jones, with his arm, tests this, this safety group deep because Kari Willis has been very inconsistent this year. And also they've been playing Andrew Sandejo and George Odom as well to replace Julian Blackman, which hasn't gone well so far. So if the Pages want to counteract a really strong box and really sign for the run, which the Colts are going to try to do, I really think maybe testing this secondary deep might be the best way to go. Yeah, I think you're right on that. And look, for all of the flack that Josh McDaniels, Bill Belichick, and even Mac Jones have taken uh, in the past week or so through the bye week um, for only attempting three passes against the Buffalo Bills, I think Mac is a little eager to show that he can air it out and maybe get the ball downfield a little bit. So don't be a bit surprised to see the kid come out and maybe test that secondary a little bit down the field. Maybe the cornerback group, maybe the safety group, try to work the intermediate areas of the field. Again, that's where guys like Kendrick Bourne and and Hunter Henry becomes so valuable to this team because they really are reliable targets for Mac. And of course, Jacoby Myers at the wide receiver position. So I think that's an interesting and astute observation. And uh, on a selfish note, I do want to just pick out something that you said about Quiddy Pay, who I happen to share an alma mater with in terms of high school. Bishop Hendrickson High School in Warwick, Rhode Island was my alma mater. And that is also Quiddy's alma mater. And he is definitely the toast of Rhode Island, becoming the first NFL player taken in the first round of the NFL draft since 1939. So Pay has a lot of fans up here. For anyone that doesn't believe that there are New England fans that are happy to see the Colts do well, not at the expense of the Patriots, but he's got a lot of fans because of Quiddy, who is a dynamic person on and off the field. I had a chance to get to uh, talk to him um, a couple of years ago when he came back to visit, uh, you know, Hendrickson, and I had a chance to do a telephone interview with him and just a phenomenal, phenomenal kid. And I'm so glad to see him doing well in Indy. And he really has emerged as a force on that edge. So thank you for indulging me for just a moment to speak uh, glowingly about Quiddy Pay because uh, he really is making a lot of people proud up here in New England and especially in our alma mater at Hendrickson. All Hawks quality one in that regard. Evan, thank you for the insight uh, that you have provided here uh, for the uh, uh, the Locked On Patriots listeners and for the Locked On Colts listeners that you provide each and every day. But folks, we're not done just yet because in just a moment, Evan and I will provide our keys to victory, our final thoughts on the game, and we might even throw in a game prediction. All this when this crossover episode of Locked On Patriots and Locked On Colts continues. Locked On listeners, it's the holiday season and we're all thinking of the perfect gift ideas. 
Not too many shopping days left until Christmas, but I have some great information to share with you today. Been hearing an awful lot about Stance Apparel lately, especially because they just launched a new line of active apparel. It's holiday gift-giving time, and Stance is the coolest gift that you can give. They're incredibly comfortable clothes, well-made, whether it be socks, shirts, joggers, hoodies, Everything you get from Stance is going to be top quality. There's so much different than the old boring brands. Stance changed the mindset of exciting apparel by offering a wide variety of colors and creativity and comfort like no other. Founded in 2009, Stance Apparel represents a radical reinvention of socks, underwear, and active apparel. With a sharp focus on comfort, quality, and creativity, Stance brings an atypical aesthetic alongside some of Pops Culture's hottest collaborations for the ultimate in style and self-expression. Because everything you wear should be a direct extension of who you are and how you feel. If you're a big 80s fan like me, you definitely want to check out their Batman collection, the Goonies, Star Wars, some of the finest creativity and apparel that you will find anywhere. Stance believes that the perfect fit matters more than fitting in, that those who feel good do good. Go see for yourself. Register for an account at stance.com and get 15% off your first purchase. Use the promo code LOCKEDON at checkout to apply. Enjoy the color and comfort of a life less ordinary with Stance. Locked On listeners, we're back and better than ever. All eyes are on the gridiron as teams are back to start another football season. As always, Bet Online is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. With a new updated site and interface, even more odds, props, and contests, BetOnline.ag continues to be the number one source for everything football. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 100% welcome bonus. That's double your initial deposit, just for signing up. Don't forget to use the promo code NFL100. From football, basketball, boxing, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online, the fastest and easiest way to bet all of your favorite sports. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. We are back for our final segment of an amazing show so far. Mike DeBate of Locked On Patriots. I am Evan Sidery of Locked On Colts. We're here to wrap things up with our keys of the game and predictions for Saturday's massive game, Saturday Night Football on NBC this week, Indianapolis Colts versus the New England Patriots. The Colts are two-and-a-half-point favorites on the Vegas odds. The over-under is 45, Mike. I'll start off with you with New England because we went through talking about maybe how this Colts team, their defense is going to suck completely against this running, rushing attack for the Patriots. We know it's going to be one in the trenches. What's your biggest key to New England pulling off, according to Vegas, could be an upset on Saturday in Indianapolis? If the Patriots are going to be successful in this game, uh, they're going to have to do one thing most prominently, and that is protect the football. Again, the Colts are a team that feeds off of turnovers on both sides of the ball. They love to be able to utilize the field to get field position, make things happen. Obviously, the defense forcing turnovers, but then the offense capitalizing on those turnovers. And they're one of the best teams in the league at doing both. So the Patriots need to protect the ball. That's going to be vital for Mac Jones and the rest of the offense. Prior to Monday night in Buffalo, you know, Mac only attempting three passes there. 
Mac had been using Kendrick Bourne and Jacoby Myers effectively in the last few recent weeks. I really look for that to continue for the Pats on Saturday night. Utilizing two receivers, you know that the Colts defense is going to try to zero in, take away his targets as tight ends in the intermediate part of that field. That's where Mac can really try to utilize someone like a Kendrick Bourne or a Jacoby Myers. Take care of the ball. Do not allow the Colts defense to dictate the game. Easier said than done, but that's exactly what they're going to try to do. And then, of course, on defense, the key to it all is trying to marginally disrupt Jonathan Taylor. You're not going to be able to stop him. You just want to try to contain him. If they're going to do that, Devon Godchow in the middle part of that uh, offense, uh, defensive line, excuse me, is going to have to continue the momentum he provided a couple of weeks ago when he had his best game as a Patriot, having 10 tackles. Linebackers Dante Hightower, Kyle Van Noy, Juwan Bentley, they need to be disciplined when they attack to prevent any type of cutback lanes for Jonathan Taylor to exploit. If they can do that and get multiple helmets around him at all times, I like their chances of being able to be competitive in this game. If not, it could be a long one for the New England Patriots on Saturday night, especially if Taylor gets on track early. Yeah, echoing your sentiments there, Mike, a lot of the same things from the Colts side as far as the biggest keys to the game. Carson Wentz has to play turnover-free football in this one. We know Bill Belichick is going to discuss and cover, try to bait Carson Wentz into some bad decisions, which, he's, which he has done in high-pressure situations this season against Baltimore, against Tennessee. So there's different situations where Bill Belichick can get in Carson Wentz head a little bit. It could really alter the Colts' game plan, but it's going to all revolve around Jonathan Taylor, like you mentioned there, Mike. You can't contain Jonathan Taylor, or you can't stop him. You just have to contain him. And I think if he does get, like, let's say, 15 to 20 touches in this game, if he can get at least 100 yards in those, I think the Colts are in a good spot. They can control the clock. They have to win the line of scrimmage battle against this really good Patriots run defense. And that's where it's all going to come down to is this Patriots rush defense against Colts rushing offense, strength on strength there. It's really good to decide this game. And on the other side, like I mentioned Carson Wentz has to play really good football. And I also think the Colts should try maybe to test the Patriots a little bit deep. Michael Pittman Jr. has been quiet the last two weeks, but he is a jump ball threat. He's a Pro Bowl-like receiver this year, taking a huge jump in year two. I do wonder if they try to get Pittman going in the middle of the field as well as deep in this game early on to try to mix things up and take some guys out of the box from the Patriots' standpoint. This is a very, very intriguing matchup, Mike. These two teams, two teams I think, are very, very similar as far as how they're going to attack each other on Saturday night. So we can go into our predictions here, Mike. I'll start off with you. How do you see this game going on Saturday between the Colts and the Patriots as the rivalry is finally getting renewed a little bit? <laughs> it is. It's definitely getting renewed. And I think this has the opportunity to be the game of the weekend, maybe even the game down the stretch for both of these teams. I think the Patriots' toughest test is Saturday night coming into the playoffs. Uh, they've seen Buffalo before. They've seen Miami before. Uh, Jacksonville is Jacksonville. And although you'd never take any games off or anything for granted, that's one the Patriots should have. So I look at Indy as being their toughest test simply because there is the unknown factor. They haven't faced this team in a couple of years. And also, so the fact that Indy is so well-balanced on both sides of the ball creates a lot of matchup problems. Again, if the Patriots are to be successful, Mac Jones is going to have to utilize play action. He may have to utilize the jet sweep out of the backfield to get the running game going because I know Indy's defense is going to be looking to stop the run, shut down Damian Harris and Ramondre Stevenson. Mac is going to have to have a big game for the Patriots to be successful, and it's not going to be easy against this uh, um, Indianapolis defense. I do see the Patriots being able to pull off just enough on both sides of the ball to pull off the road win. So 
going to go with my homer heart on this one, and I'm going to say the Patriots pull off the victory, but it's not going to be a very large uh, margin. This is going to come right down to the wire. I think the Patriots take this by a Nick Folk field goal. I'm right the same way with you on the opposite direction. Now, I think this is a very close game, but I am leaning towards the home team here in, in Indianapolis. I just think Jonathan Taylor is the best player on the field. If he breaks a couple runs loose, Mike, I think that's going to change the game entirely. Force the ball in the Mag Jones' hands. If you can get some pressure on him, maybe force a turnover from Mag Jones as well. I think the Colts are in the driver's seat to win this game. It's going to be a rowdy atmosphere in Indianapolis on Saturday night, so it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. But I am going to go Colts 27, Patriots 24, I think the opposite direction. I think Michael Badgley hits a field goal late for the Colts to win this game. But these two teams, Mike, just wrapping up this show, we're going in a field goal direction for either side here. I think both these teams, it will not be a surprise at all, Mike. We're talking again for a crossover special in late January with the Super Bowl potential on the line because these two teams are humming right now. Absolutely. And again, I think these two teams are peaking at the right time. I think they're both peaking and playing their best football, maybe the best football that any team in the NFL is playing down the stretch, save for maybe a couple that you want to throw in there. Obviously, the defending champs, the Bucks are doing a great job. Chiefs are really peaking at the right time. But the, uh, the Pats and the Colts right now, I think, are two of the top teams in terms of being hot and in terms of being ready to make that jump to the playoffs. And this will be a fun one, Evan. Uh, and it's going to be a great one. And I would definitely love to be able to do one of these crossovers again in the playoffs and see these two teams meet once again. Uh, it's always a happening when the Pats and the Colts meet. That rivalry is still there. Bring it on. Let's get it. Game on. Let's, let's, let's get Saturday night cooking right now because uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. Oh, I know. It's Wednesday night now. I can't wait till Saturday gets here. But Colts fans, Patriots fans, thanks for listening to our Locked On Crossover special today with Mike and myself. Make sure to subscribe to Locked On Colts and Locked On Patriots to get your insight on each team every single day, Monday through Friday. But in the meantime, thanks for listening and have a great one. And stay tuned for a great game on Saturday between the Colts and the Patriots as the rivalry is back on, as Chris Power would say.